turn back with me to John's Gospel, chapter 6. In the reading, we considered somewhat the context of verse 37, which is our text. Verse 37. Here the captain of our salvation declared, All that the Father giveth me, unlike those, the majority that had followed him, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. No matter what. No matter what. He'll never cast out his people. Notice first this word all. A double. All given to Christ by the Father, all those, not one more, not one less, all those will come to Christ. They all shall come to him in time. What I mean by that, yes, they've been chosen before they were born, before the foundation of the world. They were redeemed by Christ at Calvary at the moment he died and gave his life for us. But in time, they'll come to experience God's grace in their heart. Uh, He will call them by his grace. He said, my sheep, all my sheep will hear my voice. When they hear my voice, they'll follow me. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. The title of my message, the text of course is verse 37 of John 6, but the title of my message is this, 100%. (laughs) All, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. 100%. Now the success, the success of what is spoken of here, and what a tremendous claim it is. I mean, just this one verse, it speaks of election. It speaks of calling. It speaks of the success of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the success of what is spoken of here, these great and glorious things, absolutely depends on the speaker. Who makes this claim? I mean, who makes such a bold claim as this? It's the very same one. Child of God, be encouraged to be reminded of this. The one who made this claim, who spoke these words, is the very one, the same one, who in the beginning created the heaven and the earth. This is the same one that we just read of that said, let there be light, and light was. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I read somewhere that in the original, he said, light be and light is. (laughs) It's the very same one that spoke these words in verse 37 of John's gospel, chapter 6. In the gospel of John, the very first chapter of this book, we read in verse 1, in the beginning was the word. This alleviates any doubt as to who created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the Word, capital W, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Ooh, no wonder Paul said, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Can you wrap your mind around that? (laughs) I can. Verse 2, the same was in the beginning with God. This, I mean, John's Gospel, chapter 1. Please follow along. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, him. And without him was not anything made that was made. 
Well, who is he? Who is it? Well, John tells us in this same chapter down at verse 14 of John 1, and the word, that eternal word, that very expression of God Almighty, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and John says, we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the one who speaks these words is the Lord Jesus Christ. Who else? The Son of God. Chapter 1 of Hebrews 1, the same glorious theme. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son. He won't speak by anybody else. We'll hear the Son or we'll perish. We'll bow to the Son or we'll be cast out. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things. There's that word again, all. By whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory, that is God's glory, Christ being the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. So Christ himself again is the speaker in our text. Who other, I repeat myself, who other than Jesus Christ would God give his chosen people to? Who else would he trust them to? God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. The scriptures are plain about that, whether folks like it or not, or bow to it or not, or accept it or not. Or not. It doesn't change the fact. God chose his people in Christ before the foundation of the world. He gave Christ a bride. That bride fell. That bride, bride had to be reclaimed, had to be redeemed. Who's going to do that? Gabriel can't do it. It was his honor to take the message of the Savior to Mary and to Joseph, but that's all he could do. Other angels would sing to the shepherds, glory to God on high. This night there is born unto you a Savior, Christ the Lord. No, no angel could accomplish this great work. John 17, verse 1. Again, listen, listen to the words of our Savior. This is shortly before he went to the cross. John 17 and 1, these words spake Jesus, Joshua, the salvation of the Lord, and left up, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Oh, my, what a subject that is. The hour is come. When the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son. The hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many, as many, not everybody, but to as many as thou hast given him. Verse 6 of the same chapter. I have, manifest, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. I pray for them, verse 9. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. 
who other, again, who other than Christ, the good shepherd, would God entrust the sheep to? Who's worthy, was the question in heaven. Who's worthy to take the book out of the hand of God Almighty, the book of God's eternal purpose and decrees, the book of the covenant of his everlasting grace, who's worthy to take that book and to fulfill it, to bring those decrees to pass? Who's worthy to do that? You remember, there was no man found worthy, and John wept, didn't he? He just started crying. We would all cry. We'd, we would cry until the gates of hell slammed behind us, if not for this. John, weep not. Larry, weep not. Billy, weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. What's he done? He's going to try. He has prevailed. He has prevailed to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. Again, listen to the voice of the great shepherd. No wonder they said, never a man spake like this man. John 10 and 14. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. Doesn't mean he has a casual acquaintance of them. No, no, no. He knows his sheep. He loves his sheep. <laughs> Verse 24 of John 10. Then came the Jews round about and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I have told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, like the feeding of the thousands, they bear witness of me. But you believe not because you won't exercise your will. No, no, no. You believe not because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Very much the same thing in our text. Look at it again for a moment. Let's include verse 26. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. Believe not. Hmm. Does that make God's purpose void? Does that create a roadblock? in the purpose of God that he can't find a way to overcome? Of course not. Of course not. Ye believe not, but look what he says in verse 37. All, I like that word, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out. So, of course, the speaker here is the Lord Jesus Christ, the very same Christ who said this, Ye are my witnesses. By the prophet Isaiah, chapter 43. Listen to our great Savior. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me, and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I'm the first and the last. <laughs> I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared and have saved, and I have showed when there was no strange God among you. Therefore ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God, that I am God. Yea, before the day was, I am he. And there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work, and who shall let it? I shall work, and who shall hinder it? 
is the word. And again, from Isaiah chapter 46, Isaiah 46 and 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. There is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do, I will do all my pleasure. Jesus Christ is the speaker here and he says this, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. When I read these words, I hear the great shepherd of the sheep speaking in such a manner of fact way, doesn't he? He speaks with so much certainty. All that God gave him in eternal election, he says, will come to me in time. I hear him speak, and I hear words of reigning grace, don't you? I mean, look at that on the table, under the table, left, right, north, south, east, or west, look at that text as long as you want. You will not find a hint that what he said won't be accomplished. All my sheep shall come to me. I hear him declare the success of his coming into this world. He didn't come on a mission that could fail. If that was so, why come at all? Look at verse 38. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which had sent me, that of all which he had given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. Those who denied the power of God's free grace in order to maintain the power of man's imaginary free will have to be some kind of religious contortionist to make this verse say anything other than it does. It speaks of God's free, sovereign grace, and there's nothing can make that void. It speaks of God's electing love. It speaks of Christ's particular sovereign mercy and grace. Scott Richardson, there's an ex excellent article in your bulletin by old brother Scott Richardson. But he said this, where men get the idea that God's will is the, God's, I'm sorry, where men get the idea, I think this is the last sentence of the article, where men get the idea that man's will is the all-determining factor or moving cause of his salvation is hard to see. Certainly, they do not get it from the Bible. That's exactly right. They don't get it from the Bible. Isaiah 48 and 11, for my own sake. Oh, now here's, the, here's where the rubber meets the road. Here's the main reason God's elect must be saved, that they all must come to Christ. For mine own sake, God says, even for mine own sake will I do it. I'll do it. For how should my name be polluted? And I will not give my glory unto another. The proud rebel says, it's up to me. And that, that lie, that falsehood is reinforced by preachers telling them that. 
God's done all he can, it's up to you. That's the worst thing you could tell a rebel. That'll have the very opposite effect. Instead of making him aware of his need, that'll just make him lay back and say, well, it's all up to me. I'll just eat, drink, and be merry, and when I die, I'll say, Jesus, save me. That's what most people think. That's what my brothers and sisters, that's what our children mostly think. That's all they've heard. It's up to me. It's up to my will. When God's word plainly declares, I will not give my glory to another. The crown will not be set upon the head of man's free will, but upon the head of Jesus Christ and his free grace. He says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. That's the term... The determining factor is not man's will, but God's will. It's God's will. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then, if that's true, <laughs> that, that's plain as can be, so then, here's the conclusion, so then it is not of him that willeth, that's not the cause of salvation, nor of him that runneth, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? but of God that showeth mercies. Again, the free willer says, I took the first step, then God took the rest. That's the testimony we heard over and over again the last few weeks, in one form or another. I took the first step, and God took the rest. I did my part, then God did his. Really? <laughs> really? Oh, no. Thank God that's not true. A true believer, knowing himself to be the helpless sinner, knows that his salvation is all of the Lord. And if not, if that's not true, he knows he would have never been saved. There's no hope. If salvation from beginning to end, from election in eternity past, to glorification in eternity to come, if it's not all of grace and not all of the Lord, we don't have a prayer. But thank God he says, I'm determined. I've purposed to show mercy, and I will show mercy. A true believer rejoices that it's so. And with a heart full of gratitude for God's great mercy, he says, Not unto us, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. A sinner saved by grace happily confesses, I see my calling. Not many mighty, not many wise, not many noble are called, but God, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised. Hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Uh, it was this morning, wasn't it, honey? We were, I was sitting having coffee and we were watching the news and as the news ended, Joel Osteen, <laughs> Joel Osteen, please turn the channel. <laughs> Give me that remote. All it is, all that is, he's just a, a motivational speaker. That's all he is. If he was sitting right here, I would tell him to his face. He's telling lies on God. He's deceiving the souls of men. Hmm. And it's so heartbreaking, so heartbreaking. Glorying in the flesh. The whole shoot matches one worm bragging on another worm. That's all it is. God says, oh, not unto us. Not unto us, God people says. 
but to God be the glory, that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. You don't have to worry about any restrictions there. It has all the elbow room you can possibly use. Glorying in the Lord. There's no limits there. You don't have to worry about overdoing it. You don't have to worry about going too far. Oh, no, glory in his great grace, his great salvation. Thank God, not only for what he does, but for who he is. Who he is, a just God and a Savior. As the sweet psalmist of Israel himself said, in God is my salvation and my glory. In God. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. As we sometimes sing, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. That's what distinguishes this church from all those around us. They say to man be the glory. To man be the glory. But we sing here, and as long as God gives me breath, I'm never going to change my tune. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son, who yielded his life in atonement for sin and opened the life gate that we may go in. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Hmm? Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory, great things he hath done. When I read these words of Christ here, I find... So much reason to be encouraged, don't you? When you read these words, Christ says, Oh, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. That's still true. That's the only reason God allows this world to continue. Christ is still calling out his sheep. Oh, what a reason for encouragement. Someone said this, If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. Turn on, the, turn on the news. <laughs> I mean, it's just one bad story after another. I mean, I sometimes think, well, I've seen it all. And Bobby, a few days goes by and says, well, I guess I haven't. I guess I haven't. I don't want to digress too much here, but, you know, this transgender insanity, insanity. Well, my granddaughters, LD's two daughters, told me, that at school now, one's or first year of college, one's a sophomore in high school. Now there are some that identify as animals. And they're allowed to do it. I looked across the room and I said, Allie, you pulling my leg. No, Paul Paul. They do it. They want litter boxes. Ah, so is it any wonder? Is it you say, what's happening? What in the world is happening in this world? I'll tell you what's happening. It's under the judgment of God Almighty. There's no other explanation. This country, the reason of this insanity, God's just turn them loose, let them go. Oh, but that's not to say, that's not to say that all that the Father giveth him shall not come to him, because they will. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look up, if you look up to where God is, you'll be at rest. You'll be at rest. So when I hear my God and Savior say, that 100% of all God put into his hand shall come to him and can never be plucked out of his hand, that he is pleased by the foolishness of preaching, 
by witnessing to the gospel of his grace to save those that believe, I think, oh, how encouraging that is. I know you've experienced this. I have too, many times. It kind of leaks out that you believe that horrible doctrine of election. That you believe that terrible, terrible doctrine that God's not trying to save anybody. He's saving his people. Those that he chose in Christ before the world began. The same ones that Jesus Christ died for. And they'll say to you, well, if I believe what you did, that God elected a people to salvation, I wouldn't even bother to witness. I wouldn't even bother to preach. I wouldn't even bother to, to do anything. How foolish. How insane is that? Oh, no. The contrary is so. If what they believed was true, then there would be no reason to witness, no reason to preach, no, just shut the doors, just sell the building. If salvation is waiting on man's will or man to take the first step, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Oh, but as long as salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, I said this in my article, and I hope I was sincere when I wrote it. And sincere what I'm saying. I hope I believe what I'm saying. That there is not a sinner too hard a case for God Almighty. Not as long as salvation is by grace alone. There's no reason to despair of any sinner that God's grace can't bring down. Is that not so? Look at Saul of Tarsus. You're looking at one. That's the hardest case I ever knew. And God brought me down. A pastor friend of mine was telling me about another pastor that he hoped wouldn't visit his relatives before he came to his church to preach because every time he did, he would come depressed. (laughs) And it would affect his message. He would come depressed. Mm. Child of God, look up. David said, Under thee lift up mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens. Oh, isn't it good? to have somebody to look up to. I'm the third oldest of my mother's nine children. I have an old, two older brothers, but when I was younger, oh, I looked up to my big brother Jimmy. Oh, how I looked up to him. Somebody jump on me, I'd say, I'm going to tell my big brother. You might slap me around, but you, you're not going to slap him around. Isn't it good to have somebody to look up to? David takes his eyes from the mountains to the God that created the mountains, and he says, look up. I'll lift up my eyes. The psalmist looked high, didn't he? He could look no higher. (laughs) He could look no higher. The higher the Lord is, the better it is for our faith. That height. God being lifted up, Christ being lifted up, exalted on high, given a name above every name. That height represents his power and his glory and his excellence. And these are all, every one of those blessed attributes and every other attribute of God in Christ are engaged on the behalf of his people. That's not discouraging. That's not discouraging. I want to hurry along here. Consider several words here in our text. And we've already mentioned the first one. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. All. All, Billy. Not some of those given to Christ by the Father. 
Not most of those given to Christ by the Father, but all. All. Hear the mighty Savior say, all those given to him by the Father shall come to him 100%. Christ here states in no uncertain, no uncertain terms, all, everyone those given to him in election, put into his hands, by all is meant the whole body of his elect, chosen by God the Father, given to Christ, his seed, his spouse, his sheep, his bride, his portion, his inheritance. Christ says they shall all come to me. When I hear people speak of the God of the Bible as trying to do something, especially this great work of salvation for sinners, I want to ask them, why does God, why does God who is omnipotent try to do anything? When you hear folks talk that way, do you ever want to just grab them and shake them and say, but it doesn't happen like that, does it? God must open the heart. If God is omnipotent, he doesn't try to do anything. That just doesn't make sense. If he tries to do it, then he's not all-powerful. And if he's all-powerful, then he'll get it done. What does God say about that? But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Child of God, all oh, for grace to take our burdens, our heartaches, our trials, our difficulties through this life. Oh, bring them to this. Our God is in the heavens. He had done whatsoever he had pleased. Again, for I know that the Lord is great and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did he in heaven and in earth and in the seas and all deep places. Again, the Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord had his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. So when I hear the great God and Savior say, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, I know that means 100%. Remember this as well. The prophet said, He shall see, that is Christ, the suffering Savior, Isaiah 53, he shall see of the travail of his soul that he shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. That can only be true if all those chosen in him, all those redeemed by him, are all those that also come to him. If that doesn't happen, slice it any way you want. If he doesn't call everyone God put into his hands to experience his grace, his mercy, his great salvation, he failed. He failed. And how could it ever be said that he'll see of the travail of his soul and be satisfied if just one of his sheep should perish? How would he ever be satisfied? I love the article by Brother Maurice, Christ Our Surety. He wrote, from the very moment that he, by covenant, agreed to be their surety, the Father no longer looked to them but to him. Don't you like that? <laughs> For all that they owed, he fully satisfied God in their behalf. Therefore, they must be set free and enter into the glories of heaven. They must. What a message of hope this is to the guilty sinners. Full, free, everlasting salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, their surety by faith, trust, 
in confidence in him. And the ransomed of the Lord, the prophet said, Isaiah 35 and verse 10, And the ransom of the Lord shall return, and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away, all of them, a hundred percent. Notice the second word here in our text. All that the Father giveth me shall come. Shall come. Shall come. This too is because of the grace that reigns. It's not the will of man or the ability of man, but the will and power of the Lord Jesus Christ that makes this so. You remember when Adam fell? Remember that. Not as God created him, but as he fell in sin. He heard the voice of God, and look how strange he acts. I mean, once before the fall, it was his joy and delight. In the cool of the day to come and commune with God. The old hymn writer said, oh, he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. But now he hears the voice of that same God and he tries to hide. He tries to hide. He thinks he can actually hide from God. People think they're hiding from God today, don't they? And you know the number one place where people hide from God is in churches. Is in churches. They think they're hiding from God. Oh, but nonetheless, nonetheless, Christ says, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. They'll come, and this is how they come. This is why they come. Psalm 65. In chapter 5, Christ said, you will not come to me. In chapter 6, he said, you can't come to me. You don't have the will or the power. But he says, here's the answer. Here's the answer to that riddle. <laughs> Blessed is the man whom thou choosest. Psalm 65 and 4. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causes to approach unto thee that they may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. They shall all be taught of God. Thy people, Psalm 110 verse 3. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. God's power makes them willing. Grace taught my heart to pray. That's a fact. And made my eyes o'erflow. Tis grace that's kept me to this day and will not let me go. Last of all, notice these words. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. To me. And him that cometh to me I shall in no wise cast out. To me, Christ says, look unto me and be ye saved. If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. Come unto me, Christ says, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The very people our Lord spoke these words to did the very thing that multitudes at this very moment are being told all over this nation that coming to Christ is something they do with their feet. Come up here. These people did much more than that. <laughs> I mean, they found shipping, thousands of them. Now that was a chore. And they crossed the sea. Huh? That wasn't an easy thing to do. And they hunted till they found Christ. And what did he say? You've not really come to me. 
No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. You've come to me with your feet. But that's not salvation. Salvation is a matter of the heart, is it not? Therefore, verse 65 here in John 6, he says a second time, Therefore I said unto you that no man can come to me, not spiritually, not savingly, except it were given him by the Father. My people shall be willing in the day of my power. Christ says, come to me. That's what I told some people that are dear to my heart. Christ says, come to me. They talked about going to a new church. Christ says, come to me. They talked about going into the water. And Christ says, come to me. They talked about going to the preacher, going to the priest, going to the doctor, going to the altar. And Christ says, no, no, no. You can do all those things. That's not coming to me. Come unto me. Look unto me and be ye saved. And thank God, he says, all those God gave him shall do that very thing. They'll come to him. They'll come to him willingly, believing they will come to him in heaven, will they not? I wonder right now if we could just roll back the curtain of that which is unseen with the natural eye. We could just see, I wonder how many at this very moment are ascending the glory. God's saying of multitudes of his redeemed, well, you've dwelt here long enough, it's time to come home. Well, I wonder how many right now are entering into the joy of the Lord, and so shall they ever be with the Lord. They'll follow him in time when they hear his voice, and they'll follow him to glory. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. They go from strength to strength, every one of them, 100% in Zion appeareth before God. Revelation 14, and I'm done. Revelation 14, verse 2. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, as the voice of many waters and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. Verse 3. And they sung as it were a new song. Oh, they never sang so pure before. <laughs> they never sang with such undivided hearts before. They sung a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. Whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth, was found no guile, for they are, they all are, without fault before the throne of God, 100%. God bless you. Thank you for your time.